Trek Companion. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing uh, Next Gen uh, first season episodes, Code of Honor, The Last Outpost, and Where No One Has Gone Before. Before we get started, uh, yes, my voice is a little hoarse. Um, I have a cold, but I'm almost over it. So sorry for that. And then also, I want to wish a massive congratulations to our recording engineer, Adam Embry, on the birth of his new son and uh, Steve, your new nephew. And he did, in fact, give him a Star Trek name, which is awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, episode 51. Here we go. Code of Honor, Season 1, Episode 3, Production Number 104. Original air date, October 12th, 1987. Written by Catherine Powers and Michael Barron. Directed by Russ Mayberry. Music composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Jesse Lawrence Ferguson as Lutan, Carol Selman as Urena, James Lewis Watkins as Hagon, and Michael Ryder as Transporter Chief. The USS Enterprise and crew traveled to, to the planet Legion to negotiate a treaty for the use of a rare vaccine needed on Strius. The Legions board the starship, appearing friendly, but startle the crew by ruthlessly kidnapping Tasha Yar. To get Tasha back, Captain Picard must adhere to strict Legion code of honor, which results in Tasha fighting for her life at the hands of her jealous kidnappers. What you are saying now, according to our customs, is called an act of war. This is not an act of war, but of love. I want Lieutenant Yard to become my first wife. I challenge your right of supersedence. No woman has challenged supersedence for over 200 years. The right is mine and I will have it. Natasha Yar, I challenge you. A struggle to the death. Folks, I give you the best episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> um... When do you guys want to start off on, for this one? Yeah, it kind of felt like a um, almost like an original episode storyline, kind of, you know. That was very... The music was composed by uh, a guy that wrote for the original series, and I think this is the only this is the only guy that wrote for both, but yeah. So that's it. Yeah, I felt very um, original. It kind of had that original series plot plot line, you know, that very encap- everything encapsulated in one episode kind of type type feel maybe it's just you know i'm watching it on netflix so i get to see the um, the paisley old colors <laughs> so it very much felt kind of like an original series yeah but the, unfortunately and, and i agree with you and i even wrote that down in my notes like this episode feels a lot like original series episode but it feels like the bad ones <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, steve yeah it's it's not very i mean you know i think the uh yeah the premise isn't awful i mean they're just the notion if you were to just address what's this what are we going to do in this episode and you just state some basic uh plot line uh, that's not the worst thing ever it's just the execution of it and it also feels like it's a it's like to me like some kind of bad stage play you know it just kind of plods along the dialogue sounds strange and really the whole thing could be shrunk down to like less than 15 minutes in my opinion i mean it, there's a lot of padding in the bad episode on top of it, you know? Yeah, like, this could have been the B story in a better A story or something. Yeah. Right. Um, of course, the main thing people talk about when they talk about this episode is that it's racist. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it's certainly racist in the sense that it's you know, this weird uh, African stereotype thing that's, you know... Um, it wasn't written for everybody to be african-american for one thing to be black um that was something that a director that was on there i think chose to do and if the research i did on this episode 
I was shocked to find this to be so. I never heard this. Maybe you guys have heard me, but that once Roddenberry didn't even know that the, the director had done that and fired him, but it was too late and they'd already shot a bunch of stuff or something. I don't oh, know. Okay. All right. Um, I never heard that before. That's why I was skeptical, but well, it's uh, kind of, I mean, it certainly was not over- planned. And I think, obvious. yeah. And I think that's the, the, the thing that hurts it the most. And I'm wondering if you guys think it would, would it, would it still be racist if it just wasn't, if it was the exact same story, just with, you know, a multi-ethnic, uh, group of people on the planet i mean it would still feel sexist i think (laughs) well i think that's what they they kind of wanted that's kind of the problem they show this culture as being kind of primitive in ways and like so social ways and so when you make that very much it's very apparent distinction black and white it's black and white except for laforge they don't even have warp in this episode except for maybe laforge there's it's not it's very much yeah black and white and showing one culture to be kind of inferior in one way it, I don't like you said I never knew, knew that from what you just said so but I don't think their intent was to be racist but the look of it kind of had that feel well the, the even if it had been cast differently I think it still would have been sexist and that was written that was as written you know I think about like the scene it, it's funny now but mm-hmm. that scene with with Yar when yeah when Marina Sirius or you know uh, Troy, when she, you know, uh, goads her into saying, it was like, <laughs> well, yes, of course it made me feel good when he, <gasps> <laughs> it, it's funny, but it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> it feels, yeah. it feels more dated in a way than, um, than even the original series. I don't know. It's like the original series, the original, okay, okay, original series by today's standards, of course, is you know, it's misogynistic and, and occasionally some sexist and stuff. But but compared to other shows of its time, it was it was still pretty damn forward thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this what wasn't this dated in nineteen eighty seven? Yeah, so it's pretty pretty backwards. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I don't have a problem like, with them exploring it was the uh, thousand two before people started saying there's something wrong with that episode. <laughs> I was saying is like I don't have a problem with them exploring that you know sexism and and that kind of you know those kind of issues. I think those are relevant to kind of to ask that question. Um, and I think that's what Star Trek's been good good with over the years. It's just it didn't come off very well in this episode. You know, it didn't really it just didn't come off very well from what they were trying to do from what I appeared from my point of view. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are some, you know, there are gray areas, you know, like what what constitutes uh, racism or whatever in an episode sometimes. But I think there's just there's too many there's too many strikes against this one in that regard, and and and, and along with the sexism, um, I, you know, for example, the, the, okay, so the casting of a whole alien race of one ethnicity from of our planet, you know, with no prosthetics, and then the behavior in that kind of tribal fashion. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And yeah, you have on top of it these uh, this this behavior that that I don't know. It kind of it seems um, it seems that you know the the women are kind of in a lower position in the, the sense women. As, yeah the women <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's like uh, exactly well you're, the scene you were talking about it makes them look really um, overpowered like they're just I, I live to you know 
find a guy that wants me and that that kind of old school thinking yeah. or whatever you know that that's that's the problem here and it, it just it makes it seem backwards and it and those kind of qualities make it seem like something you would see in 60s television not 80s television um the, yeah the one thing that i kind of struck towards the end you know because picard he he was placed in the position where he had to, had to compromise his values and I, and i think in the end he worked out through that but i would have liked to seen more of a a struggle with that because it basically, you know, when it comes down to, you know, he was possibly going to be sacrificing Yar or the wife to get these, this medicine for people far away. So it's a, it was a moral dilemma question. I would have liked to see a little bit more them explore that a little bit more as well later on in the episode. I think by that point I was, I was focused on Yar as Rambo. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um, th- there were uh, and uh, yes this is a terrible episode I mean it's it's bad there's not any getting around it I don't I've never heard anybody say that it's good um, again our listeners feel free to email me if you have reasons why you think it's good but I think this is generally accepted to be a bad episode um, although it's not my personal it seems like a lot of people say this is the worst episode of Next Gen. That's probably true, but I would watch this before I would watch, um, I don't know, the, the the second season clip episode, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's probably the, probably the worst episode on paper, but it's not, um, you know, my least favorite. You know, I mean, it's not the one I hate the most. In, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. So... I preface the following with, yes, I know this is a bad episode and I'm not trying to uh, make up for that, but there are a few things in this episode that are good or cool. Um, <clears throat> this is the first time we see um, Data and Jordy like his buddies, really, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Jordy's quarters. Um, what is he? Oh, he's, he's shaving, right? Oh, yes. And they have, you know, they have a little, there's a little humor there. And I like that it's 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 interesting because if you just think, well, this is only what the third episode of the show or fourth, depending on how you count the pilot. Um, but they play it off like, well, they've they've been out here for a while now since Farpoint, so there must have, we must have missed some of their adventures. But they're like they're friends already. There's not, you know, There's and he's going to his yeah. So I kind of like that, and of course we're going to get, you know. A lot of the best stuff in this show is going to be not just not just the show, but when they go into the movies, some of the Data Jordy stuff is great. Um, so that's good. Um, um, yeah, I would agree with you. I like the moment in um, when Picard and um, Doctor Crusher were talking, and she's you know badgering him with like you know you got to get that vaccine, you got to get that. You know you've never seen somebody die like that, and he's like, but I'm not unfamiliar with death, and it's that nice pause moment, just. Just little character building. I mean, you know, I, I, when I'm watching these, I tend to forget, like, you know, I've seen them a dozen times. It's kind of how it, I try to take myself back to, like, how would, how would you interpret this as the first time? So it's, it's difficult, but I, I like those little moments that they have, and even in episodes like this where they're, they're building these relationships. You talk about those character moments. There was a little character moment in here that I liked from Picard. Uh, uh, when... Um What's his name? Lutan, right? When he kidnaps Yar. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like a normal kind of conversational scene. They come in, we want to say goodbye, blah, blah, blah. We kidnap Yar. And and Picard, it's just like the next line. You know, he's just like, red alert, whatever he says, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, so calm and so immediate. 
and it's so like uh, perfectly. It's like the perfect leader, and it's exactly what he should do. And and I that's a little moment that I really liked, and I like the way it was played. Um, hmm. Yeah, we don't no panic. S- see early on in the series clearly that uh, kind of fleshing out the the way Picard leads, you know, and in that fashion how it differs from. Kirk, which of course was the big comparison back then, everything was like that was uh, people would analyze to death, you know. But yeah, uh, that that was a moment where Kirk would have been like, he wouldn't have said, he wouldn't have said red alert, he would, he, he would have said fire phasers, and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, is there any other ship? Just I don't know the planet. I don't know. Just pick something and shoot. <laughs> um. Mm. One more thing I know. So this will probably be the only um, episode in all of Star Trek that has the word honor in it and that won't have Worf in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, he wasn't originally supposed to be, you know, as big as he was. He just, he turned out so great. The character was so great. They decided to make him, I think he was only scheduled to be maybe the first, in like half the episodes of the first season or something to that effect. But they immediately changed that because he was, you know, he worked out so well. Um, no, the episodes we're talking about today, of course, we're talking about them in the order in which they aired, but these are not the order in which they were produced necessarily. Well, Code of, Code of Honor was, yeah, Code of Honor was, but then the other ones were actually produ- were produced much later. Um, I don't know. I mean, I wrote a lot of stuff down here that's probably pointless to you. You know, it's just, there's just not very much in this one, folks. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here that's, uh, hmm, well, um, I didn't think it was fair that Yurina got her weapon back. No, neither did I. I didn't, <laughs> you know, Yar got it rid of it. She should have, um, you know, no, no, well. We got to see the holodeck again in a very rudimentary form. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. It had like a carpet or something, it had like a mat. I don't know. That stuff was already there. It was a little weird. Yeah, I like how they beamed him into a cargo bay and not like a, at least a more formal setting. There's like boxes and canisters all around him. <laughs> true, true. Did <laughs> something that didn't they? Something about they needed well, to use their own transporter or something. I forget. Yeah, yeah. but couldn't they have said, "Hey, come to a, the conference room or something"? <laughs> um. Hmm. Yeah, so so you felt like uh, Picard was having to go. Uh, no, I'm really trying here, guys. I can't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it has. This is like the one time where, even though I mentioned a couple things that I like, I don't think they necessarily make it worth happening. But okay, here's something positive I can say about this episode. In the universe, there's only so much poop, right? Mm-hmm. When you make a show like this, in a way, it's a finite amount of poop. So if you put it all in one episode, it just automatically means that you're most many of your episodes are going to be pretty good, right? Because there's not any poop left. I'm sure that's why they wrote and aired this one so early. They just wanted to get it out of the way. Exactly. Right. Um, my reach would be is like they um, they had a lot of prime directive problems in this one where they were struggling with it and so that's what this episode is about for me that's my stretch prime directive yeah it's about this episode is about the prime directive yeah yeah sounds good all right anything (laughs) it's gonna be a short one guys we're done 
All right. I won't push on it, you know, because it hurts to talk anyway. <laughs> this is ironic. If it hurts to talk and you're forced to talk about this episode, that's like hell, I think. <laughs> um, dies and then comes back to life and she chooses a new first because their society is very up to date and civilized, I believe was the explanation. Oh, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's probably saying to him, I don't remember the first time I saw this episode. I don't remember the benefit of seeing it before I already knew that it was bad. Uh, somehow, I don't remember that. Um, it wasn't sure. a big red red letter day for you, October 12th, yeah. 1987? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the first time you saw it either. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just pulling it out of my butt. All right, I think we can move on. <laughs> we don't think for what it's about, do we? We we think they were they were going for something about the Prime Directive. Now this this by the way, it was based loosely the uh, one of the writers. I think she'd written a novel, and um, it was based loosely on the novel. It's kind of similar stuff. I don't I don't give it. I I don't know. I think that the best the script was ever going to be would have been. Hey, it wasn't sexist or racist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this thing had much of a chance, unfortunately. Um, uh, okay, uh, well, last thing. Seeing it in HD the first time was cool. I, I saw lights on both the Enterprise uh, that that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I did think the planet at the opening was quite a sight. I, you know, I enjoyed that. We knew. I think most of the planets are are new CG renders. Mm-hmm. Those didn't really exist, and um, although the downside is, I'm getting a little bit of the original series thing. Like when it cuts to a stunt performer, now you can really tell it's not the actual person. <laughs> it was kind of you know it's kind of an homage to original series episodes in style. Maybe that's what they were doing. It throws that Aikido person. It's like it's <laughs> the joke, uh, Adam or Steve that that you guys used to make like. Who's that? What that person? Yeah, who's that? Yeah, who's that guy? That's the thing. Who's that guy? You know, it's when it's so obvious that you do, it confuses you. It's not like a stunt. You know, it confuses you thinking. I thought someone else was fighting. You know, that's who's that guy moment. <laughs> okay, good God, let's move on. Okay, um, six degrees for Code of Honor. Steve, yes. James Lewis Watkins plays. Hagon, the Ligonian that won Urena's hand by the end of the episode. In the second season of DS9, he played a Cardassian in the episode Tribunal. In this episode, O'Brien is placed on trial on Cardassia. What is the verdict of this trial? I um, think it's guilty like always, right? Correct. It was guilty like always. Adam, this is a freebie because you already said it multiple times. What series regular does not appear in this episode? Um, Worf. Are correct. One to one. Moving on. The Last Outpost, Season One, Episode Four, Production Number One Hundred Seven. Original air date October Nineteenth, Nineteen Eighty Seven. Story by Richard Kurtzman. Teleplay by Herbert Wright. Directed by Richard Kala. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Armin Shimmerman as Letek, Jake Dingle as Mordock, Tracy Walter as Kron, Daryl Henriquez as Portal, and Mike Gomez as Damon Tar. The Enterprise pursues, pursues a Ferengi vessel 
that has stolen a T9 energy converter from an, from an unmanned Federation outpost. While the Ferengi race was known to the Federation, this is their first encounter with the species, and the crew find the Ferengi to appear to be similar in technology as themselves. As the chase comes to Gamma Turan, where ship, the both ships come to a standoff. Are you now calling us thieves? On the contrary. I have no wish to discuss issues of property or of territory while our mutual problem remains. Like it or not, we are both trapped by this energy-draining force field from the planet. On that matter, there can be no argument. Your alien image, again, shocks us. <laughs> um, you know, this episode, this is interesting. I felt ahead of the episode, like the whole time, but overall it was somehow, it was better than I remembered. And maybe that's because I, you know, just watched Code of Honor, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it seemed that there was more there than I thought. It definitely, you know, okay, no question that Farpoint had set up the idea of the Ferengi to be this new villain. Obviously, the Ferengi were created here with Next Gen. This is the first time we ever actually see them. Well, well, okay, if you want to be technical, Enterprise episode takes place for this. But you know what I mean. This is, this is where yeah, they're introduced, right? Yeah. Really. Um, <clears throat> and clearly, they intended for these guys to be much more villainous. than Their their introduction here is a bit bungled, and they ended up not being the kind of villains they were intended to be. Um, but what the Frankie would become... You know, the Ferengi that we're so familiar with, say, from DS9 especially, uh, there was a lot more of that introduced here than I had realized. You know, the idea that they're so into commerce and they're traders, uh, even stuff like they're women not wearing clothing. Mm -hmm. uh, there, was a, there was a lot more of that than I – because my memory of this episode was that it was purely just, you know, crazy, like, whip guys in the fog and I had no memory of the Ferengi actually being Ferengi at all here it's obviously distant you know but there was more there than I than I'd remembered yeah. um, what, what do you guys think about the introduction of the Ferengi here they basically set up all the basics I mean everything that we know about Ferengi when you know until we get to you know Quark and DS9 you know it's all the basic principles of Ferengi they, they have a um perverse capitalistic society and um they're very sexist misogynistic creatures and um um so yeah they set this up very well i mean it's it was surprising to me to watch it again to see how much they um they set up and you know because this is the first time we see him it's like what i was saying in the previous episode it's like you know i kind of have to go back and think about forget what i kind of try and forget that i'd seen this before and kind of take it as a first time viewer mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah, yeah, I, I too was surprised that the, some of the stuff that was consistent. I didn't recall when some of those facts were introduced. Of course, they're they're goofy acting, and it's it's like clowns or something. But you know, as, as we see the Ferengi progr progress throughout Next Gen, some of you know, of course, not not the clowny behavior, but much of what else we see that seems different from what we see in DS Nine can be attributed to really the Next Gen. The Ferengi we see in Next Gen are the only times we see military Ferengi of some sort. A lot in a lot of ways, yeah. you know. So, and then what we see in DS9 are civilian Ferengi. Yeah, we never see the little whip guns again, though, do we? <laughs> no, I guess they decide they're just too inconsistent. Yeah. Were they in the... Were they in, well, originally, they apparently had had something much cooler designed. 
and they didn't make it to the set for the shoot. <laughs> so they had to make something up really quick with just some springs or something, and it just was kind of lame. Um, but did they use them in the Enterprise episode? There, there was an, for folks that don't know, there was an Enterprise episode which would have taken place way before this, but uh, we didn't actually, the humans didn't see the Ferengi in that episode, so it didn't break continuity as far as this being the first time that humans see them. But I was thinking they had the whips in that Enterprise episode. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't watched maybe, it. Maybe. It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, so it's an, another one of these interesting structures. When are we going to get into Next Gen having A and B stories? Hmm, good question. I yeah, guess we haven't really encountered that yet. Because yeah. um, this is the kind of thing where I think if it if they if it hadn't been the sole story, you know, and we're just coming out of DS Nine, uh, where it was you know, the standard lots of A B C D stories. <laughs> yeah, um, but <clears throat> like I said, I felt like it was it was a better episode than I remembered. Although it's still hard to say it's particularly good, and that's okay. It's an, it's early. We knew there were some. The, the weaker next gen episodes are these earlier ones, but the next one we're going to talk about, I think, is we're going to have some positive stuff to say. I expect. Um, uh, oh, uh, the one thing I want to say is watching it in HD for the first time. I really could see the the ship models are beautiful, both of them. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. so much detail there in the lights and it, it, stuff that I'd never seen before. Really, 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 just. Awesome. Um, um, yeah, the yeah, there's there's so much stuff with the um, with the Fringy that does. Yeah, it just got, it comes off like you said, kind of clownish. Like when we finally see them on the planet, the the uh, the light, the land of lightning and fog. Um, the the Ferengi and the Federation crew or the Starfleet crew when they when they fight it's kind of silly it's a silly little fight. Um, of course, Armin Shimmerman playing one of these roles. He was the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing it was maybe it was one of the DVDs an interview with him where he he said something like one of the reasons he took the role of Quark was to uh, make up for what he'd done to the Ferengi species. <laughs> 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 um, um, but I, you know, there there are some character moments here that I like. Uh, again, we see we have um we have the scene where Picard takes uh, his primary bridge crew in there and and into the uh, conference room and and uh, asks their opinion. You know, um, they're still not sitting down. They must stand up. For that's them. that's true. They're still not sitting down. You know, I remember uh, Kirk doing that. You know, sitting seated, but you know, asking for their opinions. But it was rare. You know, it was probably only like maybe two, three times that I remember that, like having kind of yeah. events like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Picard's going to do it a lot. Um, well, Kirk only only asked um, Spock most of the time. Well, there were a couple. Yeah, but that was frequent. But but I do remember a couple <clears throat> times where he asked everybody. Like you know, the risk is our business scene. Right. But um, you do get the sense that. Picard, because he's a good leader, and I, I think it's probably good. But you get the sense that he kind of already knew what he was going to do. He, but he still values their opinions. Um, but but I like that that he comes out there and everybody wants to fire because they think that they're going to the Fringy are going to fire on them. And he's like, no, be patient. And he, and he shows patience, um, you know. And then of course they they all realize that the Fringy ship is in the same position as them. Um, 
so it's an it's an odd structure. It's kind of you know the first half on the ship, the last half on the planet. It's easy to forget. I'd forgotten about the the last half. What happens on the ship as far as they've lost power and they're all uh, dying. It's another one of those things where it made me think about a comment, Steve, that you made when we talked about Farpoint. Like, you know, we're, we're going to have so many examples of why you should not have families on the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yep. Well, yeah, they even have a little discussion about how Wesley's going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how strange is that? Yeah. A man that he should be able to decide how he dies. Right. It's uh, a beautiful. I was a. I thought it was kind of peculiar how cold it was in there. None of them at least put on a jacket. Yeah. Well, they don't have jackets yet. It's <laughs> uh, budget. <laughs> um, but you know. This is another one of those things, like you were just saying too about the last episode. When he, uh, a lot of this stuff probably could have been done you know, with a shorter amount of time. But I like once they get down on the planet, once we get through the preliminary stuff between them, once we see the Takan Guardian Portal sixty three. Is it? It's weird to be called like Portal. Like that's your that's your your pronoun. Like that's your that's your name. Is that like a surname? I don't know, like Mister Door or something. It doesn't. It sounds odd. You know, it's like. It's better hey, than chair, though, or whatever. Mr. Chair would be worse, I think. Mm. Um, but, you know, but Riker take, picks up on that immediately. Hey, Portal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, anyway, if we get into what it's about, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm reaching, but I, I like... I like this being an early episode where we have a chance to kind of talk about uh, the value system of the Federation. We have a, we have an opportunity to show the contrast between, uh, you know, Starfleet um, as representatives of the Federation um, and these other uh, species that are not members of the Federation. Um, I think that that's, that that, those kind of interesting questions are, and 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 the the value of showing that contrast is uh, deflated a little bit with the Ferengi being so obviously villainous. Mm-hmm. It's another example of how uh, maybe the Ferengi introduction was bungled a little bit, um, but despite the fact that it would have been stronger. Uh, the display of those values by Riker as he talks to um, the Guardian, I think. Um, I still think it was cool that they did it. Like, you know, when, when the Guardians, when the portal says, can't, I can't call him portal. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he says, um, yeah, but what if the Ferengi uh, become powerful and can, you or something, and, and Riker says, "Well, our our value system requires that we face that possibility." Um, yeah, you know, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So there are some there are some good things in there. <clears throat> well, we're still early yet. I mean, I don't think they haven't found their own stride yet. It's still even the end of this episode. It kind of felt like a um, original episode, you know, with the portal appearing, you know, in the face. It kind of felt like an old school episode, and and I think they did that intentionally. I mean, you know, obviously this is a brand new show and the original series is so beloved that they had to like 
keep incorporating elements of the original series to kind of keep people interested. I remember like a, you see a, a picture, a diagram of the original enterprise when the computer's downloading. So there's little things like that. They, um, that stylistically wise that they're still using from the original series to kind of make the transition. Yeah. You just reminded me, is it return of the archons, which is the, the original series episode where it's like the, no, I don't think it's the arc, but the, the one where, um, uh, you know, Kirk and crew versus the Klingons, and yet this other this other species is just uh, kind of control. Oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember which one that one was, but yeah, the kind of the same kind of standoff thing. Yeah, it's definitely some similar stuff there. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say this is a uh, a good episode. Definitely not a bad episode. I'm, I wouldn't say at all. The standards show say that if we can, if we have a good answer for what it's about, then it holds up. So, guys, what's it about? Well, I think so, you kind of said it earlier. It's like the the values thing. I could go with that. Yeah, that's about all I could be able to come up with as well. I mean, you know that uh, it uh, you have just just the notion of uh, staying with your value system and sticking to it, even if um, even when it looks like maybe another course of action is warranted. I don't know. Saw that with Picard and his patients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and not firing on them when it would have been the easier solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the better angels of our nature. Sure. Um, the the Chinese finger pub oh, puzzle. Uh, now, if you walked into that lounge and and there were kids in there playing, like. <laughs> That seems like a room that they couldn't get, shouldn't be able to just walk. How do you, yeah, how do you get in there if not through the bridge? I don't even know oh. what they're doing. Yeah, it's crazy. Were they sneaking from the tri- what? I don't know. Because there's no there, yeah, there's no separate turbo lift entrance in there, right? I don't think so. I didn't think so. No, it's that room is literally behind that rear console in the back of the room, right? I thought so. I thought that was the case. Yes. <laughs> so, so 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 when Riker kicked him out, they ran into the bridge. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did, you know, I, obviously, like I said, you guys are watching Blu-ray. You can comment more on this. I didn't kind of enjoy that scene, the, the schematic stuff that was you know, coming out of the console with the data he was explaining and the star charts right there on uh-huh. the table. I was like, I completely forgot about that. I'm like, but that, that's pretty cool for 1987. Yeah, and it, yeah, it yeah, and it does look really cool on the Blu-ray. Yeah, it, it, yeah I thought that was cool, too. I thought, man, this is cool. And I, and I thought, I bet they thought this was cool at the time when they thought of it. Uh-huh. And after they probably spent a week doing it, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's still appreciated. They did it again, do they? I have no memory of them doing it again. I don't think so, not that I recall. Yeah. Um. Um. I don't have much else for this one. Um. So we didn't have a lot for what it's about. It sounds like we think it was, you know, it's 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 okay for early next gen. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. One that we like. <clears throat> Well, I think when you, I think we're going to kind of get more into next gen style into the you know they start you kind of start seeing the beginnings of next gen style in this next episode we're going to discuss. And folks, always remember, we love Star Trek. Even the bad Star Trek is still Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Code of Honor is asking a lot, but almost, <laughs> you know. And and here's something else I'll say positive about this episode: of this ancient, ancient. Um, society 
have an effect. You know, uh, we're going to do it. They're going to next gen is going to do a lot of these these kinds of storylines, and I love them. I love that stuff. You know, your your entire civilization has been dead for six hundred thousand years, and um, yeah, you know, we're going to chase down some artifact or something. I I, I love that stuff. I think it's great. Um, so it's another cool thing. So yeah. <clears throat> okay, now we're gonna do our little game here, but I want you to know: don't be too scared because fear is the only enemy. <laughs> Six for the last outpost. I believe our score is one to one. Yes. Yes. You can still understand everything I'm saying, even though I'm I'm feeling like more and more sick throughout the. Uh... So far, so good. Good. Uh, all right. <clears throat> um, uh, Adam, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. As in Tracy Walter, play the Ferengis, Damon Tar, and Kron, respectively. Um, you know, if they'd misspelled his name, his name would have been Crayon, which would have been. <laughs> um, they would both play different Ferengi, uh, Lurin and Beric, Beric, uh in the sixth season Next Gen episode Rascals. In this episode, four members of the Enterprise's crew are turned into children. Name these four people. Um, would it be Picard? Yes. Guinan? Yes. Ensign Rowe? Yes. Who is the fourth? <laughs> oh, crap. Who's the fourth one? Is it Crusher? No, Steve. Is it Keiko? Correct. Damn you, Keiko. <laughs> Steve. Daryl Enriquez plays Portal 63. It's a guardian that captures and then releases the ships in orbit. In which Star Trek film did he play a Romulan ambassador involved in a conspiracy? Hmm. Okay. Um, how about six? Are correct. He played the Romulan ambassador in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Moving on. Where No One Has Gone Before, Season 1, Episode 5, Production Number 106, Original Air Date, October 26, 1987. Written by Diane Duane and Michael Reeves, directed by Rob Bowman, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast includes Stanley Camel as Kozinski, Eric Minyuk as The Traveler, Herta Ware as Yvette Picard, Biff Yeager as Argyle, Charles Dayton as crew member, and Victoria Dillard as Ballerina. The Enterprise meets with the USS Fearless to bring aboard Mr. Kosinski, a Starfleet propulsion expert who plans to run tests on the warp engines to improve their efficiency. Along with him is his assistant, an alien from Tal Alpha C, whose name is unpronounceable by humans. The test on the ship's propulsion system backfires and blasts the starship more than a billion light years from their own galaxy, leaving ship and crew where no one has gone before. According to the instruments, sir... Our speed never exceeded warp 1.5. All stops, sir. Yes. But where is this place? Where none have gone before. Cast off your ignorance. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I haven't watched this episode in so long. <clears throat> Steve, I think the last time I saw it was... Could it have been... 
in your basement years ago on your dad's like projection screen TV on Laserdisc or something? It very well could have been. It's maybe one of them that they have on yeah. Laserdisc. Yeah. yeah, that's my memory. That's how long it's been. This is a beautiful one to watch in HD. Uh, you know, of course, all the crazy warp stuff. It was great. Um, it was gorgeous. And this yeah. is one that they showed at the AMC event. It's one of the two they showed at that. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's specifically... it's. It, this episode is is the traveler. It's it's where we see the traveler. I think of this episode. I mean, it's it's all about the traveler for me. Um, traveler being a character that was kind of cool here, but but gets cooler later, you know. Sure. Um, so I kind of remember him as the person he becomes. Um, but it's cool, like the seeing, you know, because you see him a little bit, and he's. You know, intentionally, he's the lesser guy. Um, I think Troy's line is something to the effect of, I can feel nothing from the butthead's assistant. I think that's <laughs> <her line. laughs> um, Something like that. Um, so, you know, he's, a, he's, not, he's seemingly not important. But then, you know, the first time, just kind of on the side there, you see Wesley speaking with him. Uh, I mean, that's cool. That's a cool feeling. Um, since we know what's going to become of that relationship. Of course... When they first walk on, I couldn't help it, but my first thought, when Kaczynski kind of comes, I think he comes in engineering and he sees Wesley there and he says, why Why is this child here? I thought, the sentiment of fans everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel that way. I already talked about it. I didn't feel that way as a, as a child, but I know a lot of people that did. I heard about them. <laughs> that's what well, well, it sounded like was talking. Yeah. Well, then that, that happens to him later on What when... um. Riker calls him boy, the boy. <laughs> and you know yeah, what that reminds, me? that reminds me? Like Homer Simpson, <laughs> bring me the boy. <laughs> um, all right. And the other totally not related to this episode thing I have to mention in addition to um, Steve's basement <laughs> was um, that image of Picard as he's stepping out of the turbo lift exit into space. Remember? Oh yes, yes. That is an image from the customizable card game. Yeah, it's a which the, the I, cover the series. Yeah, yeah. I that using it in promos. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's why I remembered it so well from the game. Um, but yeah, it's a cool image. Well, yeah, I remember them using it in the teaser promos. You know, when you know when you'd see the commercial Star Trek Next Generation on at six on Saturdays or whatever, they'd use that. Yeah. I, we haven't mentioned this either, but here's another nice thing about the Blu-rays. Because I remember years ago, years before we even knew about the Blu-rays, but obviously after all the DVDs were out, um, there was a Star Trek panel, a C, like a CBS panel at Comic-Con one year. And I went up there and I asked them if we were ever going to – I think the Akutas were there and there were a couple other people there um, – and I asked him if we were ever going to get the trailers for the Next Gen episodes, because all the original series episodes trailers were on those DVDs, but they'd never put them, mm-hmm. the promos, on the Next Gen DVDs. I still don't know why. But at any rate, the Blu-rays, they're on there every time. And it's, it's cool, too, because they're on there in standard def. <laughs> so, so you kind of get to see the difference right there. Yeah, there's even a choice, like when you go to play it. it I, don't think, I, don't, I, I haven't used the play all. I don't know if you have, Steve, on the Blu-rays. No know what happens if you choose play all but if you just choose episodes and go in then every time you play pick an episode it gives you a choice of play the episode or, or play the episode with the uh with the promo <clears throat> and it's weird those promos they feel more dated than the original series promos oh yeah yeah 
Why is that? I don't even know. Because there's a st- that's another st- another style of doing things the way they do promos, and that's been gone for years. That kind of next time up on next generation, you know, this kind of bit. So I mean, it's- and I wonder could those um, the promos might have been um, stocked um, on you know some sort of videotape instead of film, so so that might cause them to not look as great. Whereas the original series were probably stock you know stocked somewhere on film film rolls. When I go the very first season of Next Gen, they they finished at least subsequent seasons at the time were finished. Um, I don't know if they were finished on Digibeta, you know, digital beta cam, but they were in some kind of digital format. But the first see this first season was completely finished analog. The first season of Next Gen until the Blu-rays came out was the worst looking Star Trek <laughs> of all Star Treks. Even the original series and the animated series were way better. The first season of Next Gen looked terrible on DVD. Uh, and when I go to do my audio, the, uh, I rip the uh, you know the little excerpts that you hear at the beginning of our discussions here. I'm still you know, ripping those from uh, those DVDs, those uh, SD excerpts, and and of course I do that after we watch the Blu-rays. And oh my god, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, they look they look terrible. They look bad. And now that we have the Blu-rays, they just look terrible. Well, it's kind of funny, you know. I've been watching. You know, you see like little production mistakes. I mean, I, I I can notice it a lot more because I deal with it. It's part of my job. Um, just there's lighting things and sound things. I think we talked about one time where we could hear them walking across the floor. Yeah, you could hear the, so, wood. the wood. And I think there was one time when Picard flipped up his something on his chair. It, it, you could hear the rattle of the, of the him flipping it up. There's just like just little things like you know the lights not consistent from one shot to another. So it just seemed like it took him a little while to get their footing on what they wanted to do, how they wanted to show the the crew and the light their lighting style basically wasn't all put together yet. So they seemed like they were kind of experimenting. Yeah. Um well yeah, for example, my God, it why is Sickbay so dark when the traveler is Sickbay? It's like completely blacked out. <laughs> yeah. It's like the empath from the original series. It's weird. Yeah, the lighting when the when the dent the ballerina and the cargo bay, um, it might have been different on the blue air, but when I, it was like really dark. I'm like, goodness, I mean, yeah. <laughs> later on they started over lighting stuff more and more, but now they have like a lot of contrasting shadows, and I guess that's what they were trying to do at first. Um, to get us back on track in this episode, so I know it seems like a lot of fans. This is their favorite episode from the first season. Um, I'm wondering what you guys. How you guys feel about that? I've I've already said that my favorite episode of the first season is one one zero zero one zero zero one, the Binars episode. Um, but I think this is probably the this is my second favorite episode of the first season. I think, you know, I can't I guess I can't really say that till we get through more of the first season because that's because it's been so long since I've watched it. Um, what do you guys think about that? Um, I like it a lot because it kind of it's a little bit of this is the first episode and a. Uh, a kind of a story arc that we're going to have through the whole series. And it's also kind of um, in line with the, um, the original Q story arc, you know, you know, they have this whole thing where time thoughts and um, space are kind of one and where your thought, you know, it's more, you know, their whole thing, kind of their subtle way of doing it is like, you know, it's more about the journey of your own mind and discovering the powers of, of, of being human, that kind of thing. So you'll see that periodically in Next Gen, and this is one of the first episodes that does that, that asks that question, you know, to me at least. Yeah, I don't, 
if I had to, I'd have trouble probably choosing for sure what my favorite of the first season was. This would certainly rank up there along with the, um, the binary episode you mentioned and, and uh, data lore probably as well. But, um, Oh, that's first season. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah. Good. That's, that's a good one. one. Yeah. Um, Even though this episode does have a very clear use of the man skirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, you know, I tell you, when I was at the AMC event, the, I mean, everyone busted up laughing at that part where they're standing around listening to what the captain's saying over the intercom and it, it holds on that guy for a while <laughs> with the man skirt. Everyone just busted up laughing in the theater. Well, I had to, I had to take a couple of, like, is that a man? Making sure that it wasn't, you know, just a manly looking woman, but no, that's a man skirt. <laughs> I wonder, would it have been easier to CG on some pants or to CG on some breasts? I'm not sure. That'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, be the next generation thing. They decide, oh, we're going to fix this. You know, there's going to edits here. Um, uh, hey, Brian, maybe you can answer this question for me because I don't know. And I'm assuming some of our, most of our viewers out there don't know. It's like, why was, you know, we go, we have another engineer, chief engineer in this episode. They kind of have a Scotty esque type engineer. He's got the. The, the accent and everything like that. Why wasn't um, Jordy just the engineer from the get-go? Because what is it, what, another couple episodes before he officially becomes chief engineer? Or is that in second season? That's I believe that is the second season. Oh, we didn't even mention in the, I think it was Last Outpost, at Last Outpost, one of the cool things that is that that's kind of the first time we see Jordy doing like chief engineer-y kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Down in the in engineering, but that but I think it kind of ruins it because of the woo wee. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was squirrely. We didn't mention that during the thing. It's like, what's all that about? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the reason that he had to wait until season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <'cause laughs> right there, they should. Yeah. yeah, they should have been like, God, we were just getting ready to promote you, and you had to. Mm, <laughs> you had to do it. You had to pull the Howard Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by I mean, do you in your notes uh, or yeah, research? No. I did a lot of research, especially like for the way they designed the shows. You know, for our last episode, I did a lot of research on the, the construction and creation of the show. And that was one of the things I was trying to find out, too, was <clears throat> I really don't think that – I mean, I, 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 and I could totally be wrong here. We should, we should tweet. I don't know. Nemechek probably could answer this one. Um, but the, I almost got the sense that out of an effort to make Next Gen different from the original series – um, Roddenberry just wasn't focusing on that position, and I definitely don't think that uh, Jordy was ne- was intended to be chief engineer from the get go. You know, I definitely don't get that sense. Um, I mean, he he was he was on the bridge at the beginning. You know, he's just gonna he's gonna slowly spend more and more time in engineering, and we're gonna go through so many different engineers but it's but it's interesting because if, if you just try and look at the original series and you say well what are the what are the different jobs that you have to have in a star trek episode right well okay you got to have the captain you got to have you got to have the uh the num- number one the 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 exo the second in command you know and then for some reason on that list i think roddenberry just decided that engineer wasn't there so that was a variable um but after a while, if you have an engineering room, uh, you know, it, it becomes important to have some stability down there. Mm-hmm. 
I, yeah, I suspect <clears throat> it's a combination of factors. Um, probably like, okay, we're, we're revolving through these different chief engineers in the first season, and okay, there's no clear-cut person down there. And second, we got to get Wesley on the bridge all the time, so there's only so many consoles to be there, you know. And if Data's there, you know, sometimes Jordy's down there too, so we got to, you know, they've got to just move people around and, and, you know, their main characters and positions where it makes sense, you know. Yeah. But it's a good question. I, I would like to have a more explicit answer because these are just our guesses. Yeah. But at any rate, um, we we so we all like this episode. Um, it's it's got a very uh, a very clear structure. Um, it's certainly very fantastic. It's it's almost like you know it gets it's it's. It has a little more fantasy than the average Star Trek episode. Usually, the average Star Trek episode is is much more sci-fi, or you know, in this area, of course, era we're going to get more and more techno and techno babbly. But this episode has a lot of fantasy. You know, uh, magic. You mean magic? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, the power of thought is uh, you know the energy of thought is very powerful. Um, does the traveler say that Wesley is like the Mozart of tech? That's what it sounded like he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's that seems weird, but you know, that might have hurt. Might, might actually might have hurt Wesley's character this early on. I mean, maybe if they'd have done another traveler episode towards the end of the season or in the second season and brought that out, but I think everybody was kind of like not liking Wesley, and then now he's this savant genius that you have to. Do. So that might have hurt his character a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it puts on, on one hand, it makes it gives you a little bit of an explanation as to why this little kid is going to save the ship so many times or whatever. But um, you know, uh, <laughs> that's just asking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's a, that's a suspension of disbelief on top of suspension of disbelief that I don't think we're prepared to give them. But um, it's interesting because it's this episode. You know, if you plucked it out and stuck it in, say, season seven, I don't. I don't think so. You know, I don't think it would. Work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, even done better. This episode done better, but the same script and stuff in season seven. I don't. I don't think we would say. I don't think we would have the. I don't think it would be up there. You know, I don't think we would remember it so well because it's the first episode that kind of shows that it's the first episode that shows promise for the show, you know, and say, Oh, Hey, this could be a good show. It was the first episode where we kind of thought that. Right. And, mm-hmm. even now, this way, but I think the reason that the Binars episode is my fit, my personal favorite episode of the first season is because <clears throat> this episode where no one has gone before showed me that next gen could be good, but it but the binars episode one one zero zero one zero zero one showed me not just that next gen could be good, but be could but how it could be uniquely good mm-hmm. because I where no one has gone before could have even been done with the original series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would kind of agree. Yeah, but I, yeah, like I was saying in our previous episode, I think this is kind of where we get our first kind of hint at their style and what they're what they're going to be trying to say in this series. Um, you know, what is this the fifth episode, right, or the sixth? Mm, depends on how you count it. It's this. It's the fifth if you assume the pilot is just one episode. So, 
So, yeah, we're in the, kind of basically in the first quarter of the first season of the series. So, I mean, you know, now is the time to kind of kind of get their their style, their pattern, what they want to say. And you definitely get the hints of that in this episode. Um, and we'll see you more down the road for sure. Well, it's a good thing that when Picard told everybody to think happy thoughts, nobody's <laughs> the state buff marshmallow man because that's what I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty miraculous someone didn't screw that up. <laughs> I love the Targ, the the pig on the bridge. If Picard had been there, he would have said, somebody get this pig off the... <laughs> <laughs> get the swine out of here. <laughs> okay, so we like this episode, and it's pretty in HD. I recommend the Blu-ray. And... Uh, about guys i think we've kind of talked about it it, I, it is a, a more at least the 80s compared to the 60s it's a more modern interpretation um this this confluence of the space-time continuum talking about how space and time and thought are kind of connected you know i think that would have been not just that wouldn't have been radical in the 60s it maybe it would have been silly and i'm i'm no physicist or anything you know i don't know but um but uh like I've read some of like Hawking stuff, and I don't think he was writing that kind of thing in the, you know, in the sixties. Um, so, so that is that is that is interesting. That is something that was that was uh, new. This this concept of um, these concepts of the way space and time are, are related, or at least um, it's it's new. To, it's new that it's that it's trickled down into pop culture by the 80s and the average person right about it yeah um that's not what the show is about but it's but it's got me to thinking about it so um well uh steve what's it about <clears throat> um well <laughs> it I, it would probably have to be uh, somewhere in there it'd have to be about um the kind of the notion of um I don't know the the uh, in some ways the positive effects of um of the positive effects of positive thoughts and people working together and thinking you know I mean in, in a way you know I mean in a way they all serve the solution they achieved and that is through their positive thinking now of course we don't go around and if we just think good about something good things happen but um I think there is a lesson there the energy of thought is very powerful, is what the traveler says. You know, it's it's uh, um, these are early days for next gen, so you know what it's about. Maybe they wear it on their sleeves a bit, but you know that's okay. You can flat out say it. That's cool, uh, Adam. Um, yeah. If you look at the original series, at least from my point of view, <clears throat> the original series is more about outward. You know, like it's it's more external. You don't get near as much um, internal emotional. As much you do, but not near as much as you will in next gen. And um, this episode starts, you know, starts off by asking inner questions of humanity. You know, like thought. You know, that's a that's a very interesting question. The power of thought. How much does that? How much does that play a role in how we define ourselves and create things in our own lives? And it's um, you know, it's kind of some. It's a lot of the questions that the show will ask, and I kind of think that's kind of like what I was saying before. It's kind of their first kind of look at their style and what they're going to be doing. Well said. I seek transportation to experience your reality. 
by playing six degrees for where no one has gone before. Uh, I believe the score, unfortunately, is three to one, Steve. Um, Steve, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Herto Ware plays Picard's mother as they share a spot of tea. <laughs> In real life, Ware was Ellen Gear's mother. Gear guest starred on Next Gen in the fifth season episode, Silicon Avatar, in which she kills what person or creature? Um, the crystalline entity? Uh, you are correct. Dr. Uh, Kila Mar killed the crystalline entity. Adam? Yes. Eric Menyuk plays the Traveler. He would play the Traveler two more times on Next Gen. For what series regular character on Next Gen did he audition for and come very close to getting? It was down to him and one other guy, and the other guy got this role for a regular, uh, regular Next Gen character. I'm going to take a guess and say um, Data, and then you right. compete with Brent Spider. You are correct. It was Data. Uh, four to two, so not a total shutout there. That's good. That's not bad. Um... Are you guys going uh, to uh, you, Steve? You mentioned a couple of times the Fathom event. <clears throat> uh, I, yeah, I'm afraid I won't be able. To, my work won't allow me to. There'll be a schedule conflict this time around, unfortunately. Well, this time I'll be going. If you guys remember, I tried last time and they had sold out. So this time I got my darn ticket ten days in advance, and I got sure. it. And and they told me it was already seventy percent sold. So it was wow. definitely early again. So I have a feeling they'll be doing a you know another one for season three. Great. So I'll go to these things. The, the cool thing is just because it's going to be. I mean, yes, the very next week you're going to get the Blu-rays and see it. But I'm just really excited to see this extended version of uh, Measure of a Man. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, folks. So <clears throat> here's the plan. Sorry, this episode's a couple days late. You know the uh, the holiday kind of got us, but uh, our next one is going to be. On the date that it should, you know, we should be posting that on the date that it's supposed to post, which would be uh, the sixth of December. We're going to be discussing the next three episodes of Next Gen, just like on the that'll post six December, um, and then two weeks after that, so the twentieth of December, we are going to do our little holiday episode. So once again, if anybody has any kind of holiday stories you want to write or record or anything, just send us anything. Otherwise, we're just going to make it up and do whatever. <laughs> um, and after that, we'll get back into next gen. We'll probably take three weeks off for the holiday instead of two, but we'll give you details about that as we get closer. So, thanks for joining us. Uh, as you can see, I think I personally, our conversations are it's it's more fun for us. The more we like the episodes, and then the episodes are going to get better, and hopefully, it's more fun for you guys too. So, uh, thanks again. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. And uh, hope you guys all have a great holiday. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. See you.